What's that? Your phone going Nothing. off? No, that was me humming. I was thinking of my dinner that I ate. And then if you hum? I know, it was delicious. <laughs> everybody and welcome to book retorts i'm danielle i'm sam this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it danielle that's me i have no experience i'm like a brand new phone you just bought set me up enter your email address and password <laughs> okay sam <laughs> God. i swear you write these down i did not i panicked <laughs> All right. Well, today it's very exciting. It's my it's my day, Sam. Yeah. It's my day to shine. <laughs> shine like a like a, a supernova or something. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Okay, uh, you kind of know what we're doing. I'm sorry, everybody. I know the the premise is that the other person doesn't know, but I did have to. I barely know. I had to ask because Sam's seen every animated movie on Earth except this one. <laughs> you did stray into my territory, Danielle. You were very brave. <laughs> know so we're doing 1994's thumbelina thumbelina the story about a woman who's all thumbs and oh, keeps dropping things yeah it's great and it's by your favorite animator sam don bluth Woohoo! i do like don bluth i think he is the edgier disney which is fun you do and this is the, the craziest ride i actually pretty much never wanted to see this movie again so thanks podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know what yourself to blame. You didn't have to do Thumbelina. It was both great and bad. I was like, okay. yeah, this is about as dumb as I remember it being, but also crazy, man. Crazy. There's a reason I didn't see this one. Like, you know, all dogs go to heaven. Sure. Land before time. Of course. Thumbelina. <laughs> pass. I'm going to get you the summary, just in case you don't know what Thumbelina. Actually, I everybody, I asked Sam if he knew anything about Thumbelina, both the movie and he's, or the like story in general. And I he's don't. Like, nope. <laughs> he's the only person on earth who doesn't know what Thumbelina is. How? What, I find that insulting. I know so many other mythos. I don't know about <laughs> Thumbelina. Excuse me. I would tell you right now, I'm already having a hard time speaking, and I'm going to have a really hard time with Thumbelina because of the TH, and my tongue is very tired. Just call her Tumbelina. Like, she's a, uh, a four routine. I'm going to call her Stumbelina because my TH switches to S's. So it's like going to be like a Thumbelina. There's All a right. joke there. I guess I guess <laughs> I can figure out how that works. I'm gonna send you the summary. You get to read it. Are you ready oh. for this? Oh, I'm so ready for the thumb thumb tumbelina story. Born of a flower, okay, and growing <laughs> birds and the bees. Very different. Very literal interpretation. <laughs> Sorry, I get thrown off already. It's crazy. Uh, born of a flower and growing to only a couple of inches tall, poor Thumbelina, Jody Benson, is worried she'll never meet someone her own size until she happens to catch the eye of Prince Cornelius of the Fairies, Gary Imhoff. Oh. Just as soon as she finds love, however, it's torn away from her when she's kidnapped by Ms. Toad... Charo? <laughs> so good. <laughs> now Thumbelina has to escape Ms. Toad's grasp and search for Prince Cornelius. Luckily, there's a whole city of animals willing to help her. Oh, that's convenient. 
Uh, this cast, Danielle. What the, oh, the heck? Ca- it gets it gets better, Sam. I'm I'm excited about the cast. It's the one thing I'm excited about for this show. I remember that being really crazy. That's one of the reasons I chose it. Oh man, bring it on! I want to get to Charo already. Sign me up. I mean, how could she be the villain? Oh well, she is. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so um, I need to tell you that this is a musical. Of course, yes, obviously. And the music is by Mary Manilow. <laughs> You see Barry Manilow? I did say Barry Manilow. <laughs> I, I, I I took a double take. No one saw it because this is the podcast, but I swear I, I had to like, my face was completely blank and I just blinked like 17 times. Yeah, I would not have called that just listening to the music. So good job, Mr. Manilow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or maybe not because it wasn't like his style. I don't know. It depends on what he's going for. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, it opens with a dizzying bird view of a small provincial town, which is apparently Paris, but it seems much smaller. <laughs> okay, question. Is this yeah. like literally like we're up there with the birds or like we're through a bird's eye? Ah, uh, birds, it's literal bird's eye view. Well, we're going to meet the bird in a minute. <laughs> okay, so we're like inhabiting a bird. We are, but you don't know that to begin with. You just get the like crazy yeah, yeah. view the of the town. The fly shot. And then you're introduced to a French bird singing about following your heart and how nothing's impossible, and he's wall-breaking. So he's apparently our narrator. He's talking to us. Does he have a bad French accent? Yes, because he was yes! totally an American actor. <laughs> I looked it up. I was like, is this dude French? No. No. <laughs> so, Danielle, do the accent. No. Aww, but lame. imagine like Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast, sure. but worse. And that's what Ooh. you get with this bird, which is like Jacques. I don't know. His name coming. I was in my notes, you guys. <laughs> the name of the bird's in the notes? Yeah, I don't remember his name. It's Giacomo, I think. Giacomo? Giacomo. 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 That sounds Italian. Isn't it like Giacomo an Italian name? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's his name. We'll get to it later because I didn't I didn't know it at this point. So it's not in my notes yet. Listeners, don't correct me. I know nothing about like European <laughs> regional names. So thank you very much. So Giacomo, or whatever this bird's name is, seems to live maybe in a bookstore. He definitely flies into the bookstore window and is like chilling on the couch, taking a breather. Who got a bird into a bookstore? Like a cat, I understand. comes in. (laughs) Maybe he owns it. Maybe he's a well-off bird. (laughs) He always proprietor of the bookstore. (laughs) And the camera zooms in on a small, tiny little baby book about the size of my poem, maybe smaller. And he tells us it's the story of people faced with impossible problems. Well, too bad for them. Yeah, I guess the movie's over if they're impossible. (laughs) They're impossible. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a woman who desperately wanted a child, and she visited a witch who gave her a tiny barley corn to plant in a flower pot. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, wow, fertility treatments back in the day were terrible. (laughs) Can you imagine if you go to a doctor like, excuse me, doctor, my husband and I are really eager to have a baby. I know we're like, you know, approaching our, you know, mid-30s, so we want to make sure things are okay, and but we're having a little trouble conceiving, so any help you can provide would be very appreciated. And the doctor like says, I have just a solution for you. Take this barley corn, and you don't even want to know where you put it, but it's all going to work out. Um, actually, I think the problem is that there is no man in this entire story, so I'm assuming maybe she just wasn't having enough sex. <laughs> Look, problem solved. I mean, I, again... Based on the description, since Thumbelina comes from a flower, maybe this woman grossly misunderstood the birds and the bees talk like, bees pollinate flowers, therefore I need a flower. <laughs> yes, that's how it goes. So she plants barley corn in a flower pot, it begins growing, and a flower finally blooms, and inside of the flower is a tiny human. And I need to make this clear, not a baby, a teen to adult woman whose first words are, hello mother, and the mother calls her Thumbelina. She is fully grown and dressed. <laughs> 
So many questions. <laughs> First, and probably least important, does barley have flowers? I have no idea, and it's kind of like a rose almost that comes up, so that's interesting. All right, I gotta, wait, I gotta Google barley flowers, because <laughs> I gotta know if barley has a flower. Barley, how do you spell barley? Whatever. You'll figure it out. B-R-L-E-Y. Oh, there's an E in there? Whatever. To the images! Uh... Nope, that's a poppy. Uh, blue flower, ear, barley, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying like a lot of rose-like flowers. I'm seeing some like, you know, like bluebell style. They're blue-purple flowers. Yeah. All right, well, least important question answered. Now onto the craziness. Uh, what? So she wanted a child and instead got a teenager, which is like the worst deal in history. And this teen flower person just pops out fully formed conscious and able to speak the language and addresses her as mother. Oh, 100%. That is a horror show, Danielle. This is a horror <laughs> movie. This is like, oh, I have cursed you with this tiny homunculus that will follow you around and sap your strength. You will get a teenager, but none of the endearing qualities of the baby that come before it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. You've got it in a barley shell. <laughs> uh, good, good, good try. A for effort. <laughs> All right. You ready? I don't know, Danielle. I am definitely <laughs> are you past not- this? Can we move on yet? Or are we still stuck on the flower child? I mean, I don't know if there's anything we'll ever do to get past this, but I know we'll have to move on because, ugh, let's go. All right, so we get our first song, and it's set to farm animals bobbing their heads, and it's an intro song to uh, talk about how Thumbelina's having all these misadventures in this very big world, and she's unfortunately very uncoordinated, maybe because she became fully formed as a teenager and didn't get to, like, practice walking prior to that. Question. Yes. Now, this is an absolute, but especially among mammals, there is a correlation between animal size and lifespan. Mm-hmm. So is not going to live like 12 I don't, years? Sam, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, really, I, it's really she, doesn't matter by the end, as you'll see. <laughs> she's like a mouse size. She'd live like a year or two at most, right? I think she's probably human, like, live, I don't know. Say, what, let's get through the plot and you'll find out. Because <laughs> it has to do with, like, the fact that your heartbeat has to go so fast because of metabolism and the heat loss from, it's a whole thing. I think thing. she's immortal, I'll be honest. Oh, that's, <laughs> what a horror, what does this witch give this woman? This, is, this gets <laughs> worse and worse. She's not immortal, but I definitely think that she'll live a nice long life. That's, uh, unfortunately, could be much more poignant if it was, like, she has two years. Good luck. Yeah, they don't tell you that in the story. It's a very fast-moving story, but I am going to share with you the lines of this uh, Misadventures in a Very Big World song. Can you sing them? No, I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you two <sighs> lines. Come on, do Barry Manilow the honor of, of embracing his musical genius. I super don't remember how this song goes. I've seen <laughs> oh, this great. movie like two other times and unwillingly the third time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Thumbelina, she's a tiny little squirt. Thumbelina, tiny angel in a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> so good that's amazing you let squirt with skirt i love I it it's a really the songs are good sam the songs are the songs are solid i mean a plus mr manilow dang yeah. get him that that oscar for best original score <laughs> and i think in a kind of disturbing note she almost gets baked into a pie which she falls into from a window so yeah I so mean, scary life i talk about the horror show that is this woman receiving this tiny child but like the real victim here is the tiny child who is not equipped to handle this world. No, and she's like, I, she's so new to life and she's a teenager. That would just be terrible. Right. Like, you don't become a teen, like, you don't learn how to navigate the world by having some intrinsic notion of how to use an oven or a chair. You learn those things. And without all the, like, years of learning, she is mentally a newborn. Absolutely. But somehow has speech. 
This is... I'm having an existential crisis just hearing about this movie, Danielle. It gets worse. So... No! One night while her mother is telling her a story about a dog, like from a storybook, Thumbelina interrupts to ask if there are any stories about little people, and she opens the book to the story about fairies. Oh, the the borrowers. (laughs) And she explains that they have wings, because there's pictures in the book. Sure. And there's a prince and a princess of the fairies, and they live happily ever after, etc. Danielle. Yes. Had a very important question I forgot to ask. Do they all have bad French accents? No. Just Dang. the bird. <laughs> Just the bird. That's lame. All right. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. And so what actually what happens is Thumbelina asks her mom if they live happily ever after in the story. And she says, yes, they usually do. And Thumbelina says she assumes it works best if two people are the same size. But it's not really fair since she's probably the only person her size in the whole world. I mean, I'm not one of those people who says like, oh, two people have to be the same size together because that sounds kind of like close-minded. But in her case... When you're two inches tall? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a big... So it's not like someone who's like six, you know, five dating someone who's like four or two or something. This is a, a grossly different scenario. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she wishes she was big and her mom tells her that she should never wish to be different than she is. And that night... Um, she goes to bed or goes into her room and she sings her I Want song about finding the right person and feeling lonely. And she seems to have a bed made out of a walnut shell, which isn't she bigger than a walnut? Walnut shells are not that big. Maybe it's a giant walnut. I mean, it was like a, the biggest walnut they ever seen. Like, we got to make this into a bed. It's so big. That must be the case because that's where she lives. Also, like, get her a proper bed because that thing's going to rot. <laughs> well, maybe they shellacked it, Sam. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Way to make your daughter, who already feels, you know, out of place in this world, feel even more out of place. Make her sleep in a shell. She seems to like it. So the camera pans out to the stars and moon to a waterfall that's all sparkly. You follow the sparkles as they dust the crops and you zoom in. And it's the king and queen of the fairies who are goldening the leaves for autumn. But flying in some kind of chariot carried by butterflies. <laughs> I mean, why are they goldening the leaves? Like, who's that's like... job, Sam. But why? Like, I, I mean... Natural order, yada, yada, yada. But I'm like, imagine you were these fairy king and queen. You're like, your job was to change the leaf colors forever. And I'm like, I, I mean, don't yeah, want this they, job. They're, like, they're the ones that bring the seasons, according to the show. No, I'd be like, uh, I did not ask for this responsibility on your own. <laughs> Too bad. That's what they're doing. Aww. So they look back and their son is missing from his butterfly chair. And they lament that he's not one to take his duty seriously. And the queen hopes he's not riding out on his crazy bumblebee. And the king laughs, asking her if she remembers what it's like to be 16. <laughs> so Thumbelina must be around 16. Otherwise, this gets yep. way creepier. But again... Not a real 16. A fake 16. Yeah. Assuming fairy lifespans are equivalent to ours and she's 16 years, she is mentally not an adult. You can't think that hard about it. This plot, whole plot's going to be terrible. <laughs> Okay, I just say I try to make that clear. I do not condone this. This is extremely disturbing, given even an iota of thought. Yeah, and it's unclear at this point how long she's been around. Has it been a year, three years, five years? Who knows? Like she's just looked the same age the entire time. Yeah, that would mitigate things if she was like at least learning something. Yeah. So surprise, he's out on his bumblebee, and he comes across some. He apparently is very tiny as well. Bumblebees are not that big. I think scale wise, you can't be a couple inches tall and ride a bumblebee. Uh, yeah, uh, unless that bumblebee, again, is some kind of giant monstrosity. Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like a really big bumblebee, but it's in comparison to all the little things, so it's very hard to tell. I had a lot of thought. I thought about this bumblebee while I was watching the movie. I like how, like, you're telling me, Sam, you can't think about the weirdness of their ages, but I'm going to go into a long diatribe about how the bumblebee is too really small. It really threw me off. I, like, stopped thinking about their ages and thought more about the bumblebee for the movie. We just focus on different things, Danielle. That's just how we are. Yes. 
So he comes across Thumbelina. She's singing and dancing in front of her book pictures, imagining dancing with the fairy prince that's on the page. No. But hey, the real fairy prince cuts through one of her books and appears, asking her if he can cut in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey. uh, intruder! <laughs> She's very startled, and he apologizes for scaring her. And she's amazed that someone of her size exists. He introduces himself. His name is Cornelius. I got He's that. Played by Gary Imhoff. Just, you know. Yep. <laughs> Great. And she thinks that's a hilarious name. She's like, Thumbelina's not weird, but Cornelius is crazy. Okay. Can we also take a moment here to appreciate the cruelty of the mother naming her child Thumbelina to constantly remind her about her height? <laughs> I know. She's like, oh, it's as big as my thumb because she curls around her thumb. She's like, Thumbelina. <laughs> You're right. It's like calling your, you know, if you had a child who was like, uh, you know, one of these fairy tales, and it was a giant child instead of a little child, calling them, you are gigantor. Didn't we just recently have a movie where the boy was called Boy or something? Sun. His name was <laughs> Sun in Moonfall. There you go. Sunny. Sunny. <laughs> I need something bad like that. So it's on the same scale. I'm saying. That's a really uh, cruel name. It is. I agree. However, she back with Thumbelina, she asks about the fairy court and if there's a prince. Is he strong and brave? And she would just love to meet him. And he's like, yeah, I'll tell him when I see him. <laughs> Why'd you just tell him, dude? I don't know. And then you, they, you, oh. you, you have a, you have an in. You're like, hey, you want to be the fairy prince? He's right here. Who's got two thumbs and is the fairy prince? <laughs> Me. This oh. guy. About to be three thumbs. One of them's going to be a Thumbelina. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Well, they don't do that. Or maybe he does and we see it on screen. (laughs) Then they almost kiss, but they're interrupted by Busby, his bumble. So he is uh, whip-blocked by his bumblebee. Named Busby, yeah. Why? What what an atrocious wingman. (laughs) Hey-o! Hey! All the names of this are terrible. Yeah, I love it. You mean awesome? <laughs> I love Busby. Busby's my favorite character. Because he doesn't talk, I bet. <laughs> no, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> I just like giant bumblebees. They're cute. Little sure. fluffy buds. Yeah, I mean, it is, a, it is a horrific thing that has a stinger the size of your form. This is like Gulliver's Travels when like he the giant wasps. Well, yeah, they'd be scary if you were tiny, but bumblebees in general are kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about this bumblebee is like the size, and it's got to be like the size of your palm if a, if a two-inch tall person can ride it. Yeah, you'd think that, but they seem to play with sizes like it's no big deal. Maybe they can shrink and grow I'm just saying, well. if I, I saw know. a palm-sized bumblebee, my first thought would not be, oh, how cute it would be. Oh, my God, <laughs> I got to go for this monstrosity. <laughs> we're all going to tie. <laughs> So he takes her for a ride on Busby and sings his, like, it's like a Aladdin magic carpet ride song. Let me be sure. your wings. Let me be your only love, et cetera, et cetera. Creepy. No, yeah, but this the, dude is stalker vibes. <laughs> but the best part, this is the best part, Sam, is okay. he says, let me be your wings. I will never let you fall. And then he lets go of her in the air and she drops like a rock. What? Is this dude <laughs> a, a, a sadist? And then he catches her. I don't think he meant to, like, it was just like in the scene. He like lost, I don't know, she just somehow fell out of his arms and he's like, whoop, gotta catch her. So... He's already making promises he can't keep and <laughs> yes. is trying to isolate her from everyone else by saying, you can only love me forever. Also, can we talk about how this is the, the most like insta-love to ever insta? It is so fast. <laughs> this is just like in the Cinderella's three, maybe two. I remember when they introduced the concept of like, you know your first love when you touch the hat and you feel the spark. It's exactly what happened here. They're like, I'm Cornelius. I'm the Melina. Ha 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 We're in love. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, well, I mean, I guess I kind of get it. Like, oh, this is my only option. I might will make do right oh sure you had a fairy prince bonus yeah right like, not that she knows that yet yeah but she's like you know this is literally the first person who is sexually available to me <laughs> right like, but she just did find out that there's an entire population of people just like him 
So we're yeah, options have like, grown. That is an abstract notion. This guy is right in front of her, solid as a rock. <laughs> yeah, is he hot? Like how yeah. how hot are how hot are these people? Are they like ooh, someone put a lot of effort into these fairies. I mean, he's attractive enough. I mean, on a scale of what's an uh, what's an ugly give me your most attractive character. cartoon male lead. Oh, Dimitri from Anastasia, please. Okay, Dimitri, you're a ten. Who's your zero on that scale? Why is that even? <laughs> why is that even a question, Sam? Uh, I don't know who the zero is. That's what I was just trying to think of. Wait, you're saying Dimitri, like Dimitri being the ten is just obvious? Absolutely. Ask How about anybody. Quasimodo? No, he's not unattractive. He just has that sad little hump. Okay. Uh, how about Jafar? Uh, I mean, yeah. he's kind of hot in it. He's got that, yeah, like, creepy Yeah, way. he's got that Ooh. hot, like, life thing going <laughs> with the goatee. He's not your type, though, I see. Okay. <laughs> he just seemed slimy. His whole person is, like, yeah, he's probably attractive, but he's, like, so slimy that you can't okay. really think he's attractive. But is he really, like, a zero on that scale? He's not a zero. Fritz the cat. Who's Fritz the cat? Okay. That is... <laughs> <laughs> Boy, are you glad you don't know about that animated film. <laughs> That is, um, I think it's Ralph Bakshi did that, I, I think. I mean, okay, we're going to be on this all day. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. Okay. On your scale of Jafar to Dimitri from Anastasia, who is the hottest cartoon you've ever seen, would marry, where does this guy fall? He falls under Dimitri, but way above Jafar. Okay. I asked for a numerical answer. It's an eight. Seven. Seven and a half. Eight. I don't know. Eight, you don't get okay. enough character development, but you, he's like attractive. He kind of looks like Dimitri, actually, a little bit. Okay. Great. Sure. All right. Eight. I love it. He's an eight out of ten. Perfect for Thumbelina's first crush. Absolutely. So they're flying around on Busby. They decide to rest on a boat for a moment, and there's a fro- uh, toad. There's a toad there. Um, and as they sing, the toad comes out and is dressed in like a clown outfit, perhaps? <laughs> okay. Two questions. One, what's the difference between a frog and a toad? Uh, great question. But this great. is definitely okay. toad because the mom's name is Miss Toad. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I just again, we need a biologist for the as usual time. Yep, to help us out. <laughs> Great. Number two, uh, let's go back to that. Let's circle back to the clown outfit for just <laughs> a moment know. here. I don't know how else to explain it. I think there might be some Describe kind of. Describe it. It reminds. Is it like mime, like French mime, or is it like the, the the hat with the three poof balls on it? It's a little more like court jestery, almost like the. Um... It's hard to explain. I feel like there's probably some kind of historical significance with the outfit. They're Spanish toads, like Spain oh, Spanish oh. toads. So I was going to like suggest like Camino del Arte or something, but maybe clearly not that. I could show you a picture if you'd like. And that's you can, not like, as much fun. <laughs> and you could maybe you'd be look at it and go, "Oh, that's that," because that seems like some random knowledge you would have. I am still strong. I feel like it's very reminiscent of something, and I know what it is in my brain, but I can't quite remember it. I mean, you can try. I really do not know that much about fashion throughout history, Danielle. No, I know. But if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, that's like those other things. All right. <laughs> like, go yeah, ahead. Send it to me. Are you sure? You want to see what the toad looks like? Is it going to ruin everything for you? This is already insane. <laughs> We're not even that far. I know. Yet. We're not. Mm, okay. Oh, here's a picture. Apparently, Fritz the Cat, the Ralph Bakshi movie, may be based on the R. Crumb comic. That's good to know. Yeah, I have no idea what that is, Danielle. It just looks creepy and weird. And his he's got a a, a, a pencil mustache <laughs> that is screaming creep vibes. Well, I didn't say he was a good character. I just that he was a toad. Yeah, no, that mustache is really, ooh, boy. And it's so long. Right. Okay. But you can't tell me, like, that's sort of a cloud outfit, but sort of not, right? I mean, it's definitely like a you know the the, the pointed hat with the puffball on it and and the, and the one the shirt like it's very yeah I don't know man again 
faster than the ages, not my thing. Crazy. Okay. So the uh, the the toad is super interested in her. He's clearly obsessed from the get-go. And as they fly off, completely oblivious to this. So no. Toad's mom, played by Charo, has like bright yeah. pink hair and giant boobs with hot pink lipstick. Okay. She's gorgeous. <laughs> Couple of things. And I know this is a problem in a lot of animated films, but non-mammalians don't have boobs. Let's just put it out there. Uh, well, the, this Toad does. <laughs> Just Maybe saying. they're fake. Maybe she had surgery. She seems like oh, the kind of okay. toad that would have surgery. <laughs> Great. I love that. That's a much better <laughs> head. I'm going to assume uh, from now on, every time I see like uh, a, a toad or a lizard with breasts in a weird animated movie, that it's because they had surgery <laughs> trying to fit in with the mammal overlords and some weird like societal pressure thing. <laughs> that put the whole dark vibe on everything. I love it. So she hears uh, she hears Thumbelina singing. She's like, what a gorgeous voice. And when she comes out and the toad is like, mama, I love her. And she's like, okay, honey. He's a frog. She's a human? We established what Thumbelina <laughs> I don't is. Know, Sam. No, we never established what she is. Okay. I'm like, I'm all like for love is love. But this guy, A, obviously is creepy as heck. So this is not sanctioned love. It's but not. also the interspecies romances in these movies are always a little iffy. Well, you get on board because who we're on a train. Woo woo. Interspecies <laughs> oh. romance train. Oh, <laughs> uh, did you find the one cartoon with the love triangle? Uh, no, no. Well, sort of, but no, we'll get there. It's not really a triangle if it's like... This is just the beginning, Sam. Just the beginning. <laughs> do all the animals fall in love with it? Does everyone just want to, like, get the hot for Thumbelina? Because that is crazy. Maybe. You'll find out. So, no! <laughs> I'm not telling you anything because this is hilarious. I'm so trepidatious now. <laughs> so Prince Cornelius returns her to her house, so excited to have met her and fallen in love. And she gives him a forget-me-not necklace that she's made. And he gives her a ring. And in the distance, he hears his mom calling for him. And he's like, oh, gotta go. The queen's calling me. Yep, I'm the prince. Bye. He just, he just drops the prince bomb and bounces? He absolutely. Well, he doesn't. He has, he's about to bounce. But yes, he's basically like, oh, that's just the queen calling for the prince. Oh, I'm the prince. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Bonkers. I mean... To be fair, yeah, it's nice they didn't leave with that, like, trying to pull some, hey, baby, I'm the prince. No, nope. like, he just kind of throws it in the conversation. I, I, You know what? I guess I have to respect that. <laughs> so he promises to see her again the next day, and he wants her to meet his mom, because she's the one, apparently. After three hours, you're the one. Also, I think you should note that Thumbelina sounds exactly like Amy Adams from Enchanted, which is like, oh. I, I, I never thought of the fact. I just thought she kind of pulled from general, but I swear she sounds exactly like Thumbelina. Does that make it better or worse? I can't decide. <laughs> well, and Thumbelina's voiced by Jodie Benson, who did Ariel from Little Mermaid. Sure. I'm, I mean, it's not, not that the movie is better or worse, but that her decision to immediately fall in love with the prince, like, if she's coming off as that kind of wide-eyed innocent, is this better or worse? I cannot tell you. Great. Love it. <laughs> All right. So she goes in to sleep in her shell, and when she falls asleep, she's super happy. And while she's dreaming, Mama Toad sneaks in and shuts the shell, kidnapping her. That's why she's in a shell, Sam. Okay. That, that's why you don't <laughs> give your kids beds they can be locked into, which yeah. is... Not a sentence that shouldn't have to be said. Just... <laughs> so she's stuck inside the shell. Hero, the dog, tries to save her, but after battle, they escape down the creek, and Hero's unable to get her. He's a dog. What are you going to do for a toad? He was just trying to chase the toad, hoping he could catch her. I know, but again, okay. Well, good job, Hero. We'll live it up to your name there. Yeah. So the next day, Cornelius appears with lots of gifts. He's calling out to her in her bedroom, and he sees the mess. It's just, like, strewn across the floor. 
And he goes over to ask Hero what happens. I guess he speaks dog. That's one of those moves where all the animals can understand each other, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. She, he talks human to the dog. And the dog's like, and he's like, oh, she went down the creek. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is like R2-D2. <laughs> so good. And he goes out on a quest to find her. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, gotta do that. So I don't know if Thumbelina gets knocked unconscious or she falls back asleep after being kidnapped, but she seems to awaken. She's like stretching and being like, where am I? <laughs> Very casual from a traumatic experience. There's several like scenes in this movie that emotionally don't make sense. Like she reacts in a way where I'm like, what is she like? She was scared a second ago, and now she's like super into the music, or like well, she she's has just the emotional kidnapped, ma- and now she's waking up. <laughs> well, she has the emotional maturity of like a two year old, and their emotions are very volatile. As we know, <laughs> I swear that actually makes me feel better. Does so it? She- <laughs> yeah. Someone because- who's emotionally a two year old, like falling in love with a prince, who's most that doesn't sound better to me. No, it doesn't make the plot better, but it makes her emotional state at any given moment make more sense. <laughs> okay, great. We solved one problem, but created a whole host of others. I think she's just very in the moment. Okay. So she awakens on a music boat, a boat that is playing music, that has musical Uh, people traveling on it. I was going to say, explain music boat. Is a boat (laughs) made out of music? (laughs) No, but there's like musical instruments. There's like, it's a little baby boat because it's made for toads. It's It's like a band. It's like a band boat, traveling band boat. Yeah. Sure. And Charo greets her hoping she slept well. She introduces herself as uh, the very happy family singer de España. And she introduces her three sons, Mozo, Gringo, and Grundle. Those are terrible names. Well, maybe they're Spanish, but also I don't think so. I mean, Gringo? I mean, they are, but I know Gringo means Gringo. <laughs> yeah, I got it, Daniela. <laughs> also, Grundle, I don't know what it means in Spanish, but in English, that's a word for another thing. <laughs> so Grundle's the one that loves her, so you're going to have to get used to it, Sam. Oh, no. <laughs> they're very rich and famous, and she tells her she brought her there to become a famous singer like her. And Thumbelina's like, no, 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 I've got to go back to my mom. And Charo's like, no, your mom won't mind once you become big and famous. That's all mothers want is for their kids to be, you know, happy and famous. You're going to be happy Thumbelina and Thumbelina isn't that bright, is she? <laughs> no, she's not. Dumb Great. as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know if that's because she's inherently dumb or because she has the life experience of a two-year-old. She's very naive, so I would imagine the life experience of a two-year-old. Great. So perfect. Thumbelina is almost instantly swayed by the idea of becoming someone and is on board until Charo, the Charo Toad, uh, says that she will be loved by everyone. And she's like, oh, no, no, I don't need to be loved by everyone because I think I'm already loved by Cornelius. I'm going to marry him. Can we just quickly call her the Char Toad? Char Toad, sure. So, Char Toad or something? Char-toad. I don't know. Char Toad is like, oh, no, you can't marry him. It'll ruin your career and you'll be stuck with all the domestic stuff and... She sings a song about domestic things. Traditional gender roles, real strong in this movie. <laughs> it's like the scrubbings and the washings and the noses with the drippings and the sopas always boiling. The panes and windows falling with the diapers changing with the roof she's leaking and the enchilada spoiling. <laughs> it's Sing a it, spoiling. sister. Your no. whole life is going to be renewed. <laughs> it's going to be terrible because you married a prince. <laughs> To be honest, that time period, probably not far off of the truth. But on the flip side, the one position where you probably wouldn't have to do all the domestic stuff is marrying a prince. Like, they'd probably have a staff. That's probably true. But she does ask Thumbelina if she knows how to do any of those things. And Thumbelina is like, no. And she's like, well, then don't marry the prince. Don't marry the boy. <laughs> I mean, what if she doesn't know any better? She probably thinks what princes need from their wives. That's true. 
And then she does this very, like, hip dance, hippie dance, and sings about how she'll be famous with a little hip. Well, Thumbelina or Chartoad? Chartoad. Okay, great. Perfect. That's what I want to see shaking her hips. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show it to you afterwards. I queued it up on my YouTube already for you. Perfect. I'm so you glad I get to see yeah, the undulations <laughs> of a charo toad with implants. So Grundel asks if he can uh, – he asks his mom if he can marry her. And Charo's like, yes, then we can keep all the money that she makes in the family. And then she tells Thumbelina that she can call her mama since she'll be marrying her son. And Is Thumbelina on board? No, she's like, absolutely not. Don't want to do that. So it's married by Cornelius Prince. And she's like, nah, today you're going to marry my son. And then they leave her on a lily pad to go get the padre to perform the marriage. <laughs> So it's a shotgun wedding, only the shotgun's pointed at her. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh also, I hate to come back to this, but since this movie did start with a woman who wanted to conceive but couldn't, I can't help but think about the reproductive possibilities of a human <laughs> and an amphibian. Or <laughs> are toads amphibians? I don't know. I don't know but the answer to that, Sam. Eggs are involved with toads, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a like, whole thing. Like I don't I yeah. don't I'm not sure how it would work. I I don't think this is like like physically. <laughs> you know, they're. I don't think they're compatible. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I don't think so either. However, it, nobody's thinking about that in the. This is like mermaids all over again. You're like, I don't think it's gonna work the way you think it does, bud. Like the top half, sure, but the bottom half, not gonna work. This whole movie just assumes that everybody can interspecies marry. It doesn't even like they don't question it at all. <laughs> like again, I'm all for love as love, but I'm just I'm just curious with the mechanics of this is all. Absolutely. So they leave her on the lily pad. Uh, they float downstream, and she calls for help uh, after they disappear, and the French bird flies by, and Thumbelina explains her story, and his name is Giacomo, according to my Great. records here. <laughs> Perfect. Giacomo with a bad French accent. And uh, asks for him to help her. He dives in the water and detaches the pad, so now it's floating free. But nobody thought this through. help her? Yeah, no, good. because there's no, a waterfall ahead. <laughs> she can't get to shore in time. <laughs> and I'm sure she can't swim. And he apparently is a bird and can't pick her up and fly her away. There's like, at he no point feet, does this right? ever happen. Yeah. Is he like a crow or a blackbird or something? He's like a swallow, I think. Swallow, okay. He can pick her up, is the point. Yeah, okay. Continue with the danger. All right. So as they're going down the rapids, the entire community around them reach out, reaches out to help. Two fish wearing hats, a princess hat, like the little triangles with the flurry. The crown? Yeah. Or no, tiara? it's not a crown. No, it's not a crown nor a tiara. It is a pointy hat that has little, like, trails of stuff at the top. Sam. Oh, the ribbons. The ribbons. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> as we said pointy things, I'm like... That's because it's a pointy hat. It's like a, it looks like a dunce cap, but with the ribbons. <laughs> I got that, but when you said pointy, like a pointy three points, I'm like, three points, it's got to be a crown. I didn't say three points. Oh, uh, so princess hat and a fedora style hat is the man is wearing and the princess hat for the woman. Are they out of a costume party? Like a fish costume party? What <laughs> no, is going just, on? like hanging out of their house. <laughs> this is France, right? Paris, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and do we know what era? Uh, I don't. They don't give a year, but it looks like you know Beauty and the Beast style. Was was there the statue? No, was it the Eiffel Tower? I don't remember seeing it because I remember being surprised that it was Paris because it looked like a tinier town. <laughs> okay, fine. So at least we can put it before a certain time, but wild. Unless it was in the background and I didn't notice. But uh, so they push the lily pad upstream, and all the in flying insects come to help. And again, I feel like the bird, could, Giacomo could just grab her, but he does yeah. not. <laughs> this seems like an awful lot of work that all these people are doing to help Thumbelina when there's a very simple solution right in front of them. Yep. So they manage to get her ashore, and Giacomo introduces her to her saviors. They're called the Jitterbugs. 
These are the, the insects. Yes. Like Great. the entire population. I don't know. A group? Maybe they're a commune? Don't know. There's a whole bunch of different bugs. They're called the jitterbugs. That's awfully reductive to say all <laughs> bugs are called the jitterbugs. Well, it's a whole bunch of different kinds of bugs, but maybe they live together in some community. I don't know. Sure. So they've heard that she's going to marry the prince and are very excited. I guess word has spread. From whom? They saw her flying around in the sky singing and to they, the oh, prince. They, oh, every time we see the prince flying out the woman, we just assume it's like pre-marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And they offer to help her find her way home. And she's not convinced because she doesn't even know where home is. And Giacomo tells her to follow her heart and it'll get her home. Better fly her up so she can see further and then fly her home. 100%. The entire movie, I was really angry at Giacomo (laughs) and Bellina for being the stupidest couple ever. I'm going to make people mad, but like this is like the the eagles from Lord of the Rings. And yes, I know they're recent. They couldn't do that. Don't at me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, it's the same kind of argument, only this one actually makes sense. <laughs> so he sings the Impossible Things reprise, and he can. there are can-can dancing birds and like, sort of French maid outfits in the background. Yes! Sign me up for this weird show. <laughs> it's really good. Anyway. I bet this confused a lot of children and their sexualities. <laughs> They're pretty cute little birds. Um, Meanwhile, back in the fairy courts, Cornelius tells his parents that they have to delay the winter frost because he must find Thumbelina. I guess we went from autumn dusting to winter frost real quick. (laughs) Wow. Just like two days. Also, what do the fairies get out of this whole like season change thing? Like, why are they doing this? I don't know. I just think it's part of their job. Yeah, but like, what do they, is there a benefit to them? Are this like... Sam, is I don't it know a curse and a Sophian task? Like, I want to know more about the fairies. We know nothing about the fairies, just that they seem to be in charge of the seasons. Great. All right. Sure. He rushes off, but they lament that they can't delay the frost for more than a day. I guess it's on some kind of schedule. I'm so bizarre. upset that we know more about Grundle than the fairies, <laughs> who are way more interesting. Yeah, they have a whole culture we learn nothing about. Maybe yeah, Thumbelina, like- too. Uh, like they controlled the seasons. Like, how did this happen? Were they, you know, bestowed this thing, or did they assume the mantle themselves? Or like, I just got to know what's going on. No idea. Can't tell you. All right. So back Sad. on the boat, the twin, t- they're twin. The other two toads are twins. Uh, so they're twin toads. So they're making fun of Grundle <laughs> for <toads>. losing <laughs> out to a fairy prince, and he yells that he's going to find her and bring her back. But also, it's a fairy prince. Like, you're not going to win against that dude. Like, I wouldn't win against that. A hundred percent. You're not going to win against it. <laughs> And then we switch back to Thumbelina. There's a couple of switches in this movie. Sorry, everybody. She is wandering the trails with her jitterbug friends, seemingly not too far from home, maybe. You kind of see like a house in the background. I don't know if it's supposed to be hers. And they are walking through these trails when a snazzy beetle drops down in front of them. A sneezle. A sneezle. They all scream and he (laughs) introduces himself as Beetle's my name. Razzmatazz is my game. Wait, 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 wait. That should be absolutely the opposite. It should be Razzmatazz is my name, Beetle is my game. What is this movie doing? He's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. No! Yes! I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I was like horrified and excited. I'm more excited. It's, it's quite the thing. So he keeps, he keeps feeling her up with his feelers. Uh, ooh, ooh. Um... Oh, uh, I, I'm serious, my brain is broken, Danielle. <laughs> and he like he's kissing her arm after he d- introduces himself, kisses her in the hand, then he like to kind of kiss her arm and telling so her his how his name is Beetle. Beetle. His name and is, his game is Rasmataz. His name is his full Beetle's his last name and his full name. 
gosh, where is it in my notes? <laughs> because seriously, Beetle is the worst name, especially if I think like Rasmataz is right there. Berkeley Beetle. Interesting choice. I feel like there's a pun in there somewhere. You'll find out. So he just keeps telling her how super attractive she is and how she tastes really good. Is this about like a Busby Berkeley thing? Because that would be a better name if it was Busby Berkeley because that fits. Um, so Sorry. she's – again, because I don't understand her emotional state at any given moment, she seems like she's kind of into it a little bit. She's and into being sexually harassed by the beetle. A little bit because she's like, Ugh. I don't know, discovering herself or something. But then he tells her he loves her voice and she decides to – I can't tell if she's being like – she actually is into it or if she's trying to get something from him because she does negotiate for him to fly her up into the air to look for her home. So the beetle can do that, but the bird cannot. A hundred percent. Wild. I am as angry as you are. <laughs> Reasonable. Your anger is justified. I know. It made me angry. I, I validate you, Danielle. <laughs> and for the trade, what she's going to do is sing for his beetle ball that he's throwing. Did did he tell her about the beetle ball or did she just like, oh, I'm assuming you're throwing a beetle ball. Yeah, he just says for my beetle ball and you don't know anything about it until you get there. Is it a dung ball? Because that'd no, be very it's funny. A, it's a giant party, Sam. I got it. I was just thinking a dung beetle joke, Daniel. Gosh. Be funny. So the jitterbugs run off to find help because they're like, oh, some beetle took her. And cutscene to her dressed as a beetle. She's in like, it's actually kind of a cool costume. She's in this like white fitted dress that has all the like jewel tone colors all over it. And she's got like a head- headband feelers on and Danielle, like makeup. I'm sorry. I, I hate to interrupt you again, but like you just say things so casually. <laughs> like she's dressed as a beetle. Like I'm supposed to just accept that and be like, oh yeah, dress as a beetle. We'll make perfect sense. <laughs> now imagine just, this is the movie, Sam. I'm not leaving anything out. It cuts scene and she's down on a stage dancing dressed as a beetle. <laughs> you gotta give me a second to process here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was I was like I didn't hear a word you said after she was dressed <laughs> like a beetle because I was still like like trying to figure out what you had said and like make those words make sense <laughs> in my brain. Well, do you get it? She's dressed as a beetle. Do you want me to describe the outfit again? Uh, no, I'm sure it's in there. Uh, we can, we can, people can rewind if they want to hear it again. <laughs> so in the background, it's like all these green emeralds that are all sticking up all over the place. And this like funky band music starts to play. Uh, and I guess she learned a dance number for this. And she's like kind of into it. She's but- totally digging it on stage. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm dancing like a beetle. <laughs> so so the, the, uh, the, the jitterbugs here are rushing off to save her. Although she is the one who initiated this trade, came willingly here, and is having the time of her life. Yeah, but it's clear that's like, yes, she initiated this trade, but also it was obviously kind of like pressured into it because he was not going to let her. Yeah. So I think it was Why partly a way to so get rid like, of him. Creepy in this movie. I don't know. This movie's kind of weird because it's a Don Bluth and everything's just slightly off. <laughs> I know, but like, these people are very like pervy. Yeah. Everybody she meets is pretty pervy. On, on a. Two-year-old going on 16. Yeah, well, they don't know that. So she's up there dancing. There's a dance tap crew that dances around her with Berkeley Beetle as their lead. And the audience is in love with her until he spins her and her Beetle costume comes off. And she's clearly human. And now they, now they think she's super ugly. And then the okay. song turns into how ugly she is. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess different beauty standards are different cultures, whatever. But like, did that change her musical performance abilities? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. And then in the middle of it. They like the song that was clearly something they had practiced turns into a whole other song and dance number, which is amazing. <laughs> I am 
I am just so befuddled, Danielle. This this section of the movie feels like a fever dream because it like doesn't make I any sense. I want to say like this feels like a hallucination of some kind. It's like so quick. It just happens, happens, happens. And this whole movie's like that. It's just like a lot of quick things going on and not a lot of connectivity in between them, I think. Context would help. Yeah. So Beetle sends her off the stage telling her she's too ugly, but not to worry because she'll surely get over him. So run along now. <laughs> so he perved on her, but then when he is peer pressured into thinking she's ugly, he dumps her. Absolutely. And he doesn't help her out, even though she came to him. And danced. And she fulfilled her – Um, his motivations don't make any sense either. No, and she should have pushed him to be like, okay, listen, I danced at your thing. Now you need to like fly me up in the air and let's look at yeah. my house. Not my problem. You don't like me anymore. <laughs> Wild stuff, Danielle. Wild. It is. So the, um, the jitterbugs run through the grass until they come across Grundle, who like just randomly appears because a lot of people just randomly appear in this movie. And she, he overhears them saying that Thumbelina needs help. And they tell him what's going on, but get frightened by him and run off, and he goes to find the beetle. Why do they tell him? Just because he's like, hi, I know Thumbelina, I'll help. Yes, like, and they're little. They're like, they're, the jitterbugs are all played with little kid voices, so I think they're just... Okay, but don't, do toads eat bugs? I don't know, Sam. But, you, <laughs> I mean, yes, they do eat bugs. Like, you see uh, Char Toad eat... Uh, some flies at one point, which is so you questionable. Think the, the considering. Jitterbugs be more wary of their predator. You would think so, but they're little. Maybe they haven't learned their lessons yet. Mm, well, they're not going to be little for long. <laughs> and he's a toad in an outfit, so maybe they feel safer than just a random toad. Maybe it's like all Disney things where it's like there's a split between animals that can talk and animals that can't. Your Pluto goofy divide. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So, meanwhile, Thumbelina stuck up in a hole, like, in a cliffside where the beetle took her. He, like, flew her up there. And the bird finds her. Giacomo and finds her. And still cannot fly her out of there. Absolutely. Instead of being any help, he tells her, oh, you're beautiful, and let the beetle thing go, and you'll be fine, and we'll look tomorrow for the veil of the fairies, which is where Cornelius said he lived. I don't think the beauty thing, like, her, her bruised ego is her most pressing concern at this moment. <laughs> no, they just Giacomo. fall- They fall asleep together up on the cliffside. They do absolutely nothing. He's no help whatsoever. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so the next day, Cornelius uh, is flying the skies with Busby in search of Thumbelina, but fall is fast approaching, like the end of fall, I think, because stuff's going fast. This is the shortest fall season I've ever seen. And the leaves are blowing all over the uh, all over the place in a pre-winter storm. Is this supposed to be like some kind of ticking clock where, like, Absolutely, if I don't 100%. find her by winter, it's over? Like, how does any of the seasons impact his courtship? Um, I think it's more like she's out there wandering somewhere and it's getting really frosty and cold and she's not going to survive if she's not found soon. Okay, Sh Sure. So he takes refuge in a hollowed out log and happens upon the jitterbugs, who explain that the beetle took her away. And meanwhile, Grundle has somehow found the beetle, found beetle, and is strangling <laughs> beetle him. <for> razzmatazz. <laughs> right, beetle razzmatazz. And is strangling him for info. Beetle explains that he let her go and that she wasn't his type, but he has an idea. Why doesn't Grundle just nab the prince and use him as bait, and Thumbelina will come to him somehow? How would Thumbelina know <laughs> I don't that? Know, Sam. Are you going to like send her a ransom note? Like, if you know where she is, send her a ransom note. Just go to. Oh, I'm not trying to help the the perv <laughs> frog toad thing here out, but like, you're not solving your problem by kidnapping the prince. This is little kid logic. I don't know if I noticed this the first time I watched this movie when I was quite a bit younger, but like now I notice it as an adult, where I was like. 
what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she will psychically realize I've kidnapped her true love. (laughs) So Grundle decides that he's not going to get the prince, that Beetle should go get the prince. So he rips off his wings and he will only give them back when he returns with the prince. Because wings are apparently like an accessory you can take on and off of a beetle. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say... Also, having the wings would make it much easier to kidnap a prince with a flying mouth. That's what I was saying. I was like, now it's so much harder for him to find anybody because he can't fly. <laughs> You've just like made this so much. Take his antenna or something. I don't know. I know. Crazy. So Giacomo is off flying around in the morning asking all the forest animals if they know where the Vale of the Fairies is. And as he's flying, the frost begins. It starts slowly taking over the forest in this like what becomes a very epic snowstorm and immediate icicles start forming from the trees because this is how winter days, works. It's days, like summer, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like the end of summer and then obviously they're dusting the flowers or with the leaves with gold and then suddenly three days later it's winter. So wild. Those fairies uh, are <laughs> terrible at their jobs. They should not be in trust with the seasons. Clearly they are not capable of handling it. Absolutely. So these like icicles are forming, snow's happening, the prince who's back on Busby gets caught in the storm and plunges from the bee, falling into a pond, and as he's swimming to the top, it freezes over and he's stuck just underneath the surface. It's kind of a cool so scene, actually. The the pond freezes over moments after he falls into it. Yeah, just as he's coming up to the surface, like a tiny Nonsense. little portion of his finger is up above. Them. What is it like fifty below zero there? What's going <laughs> it's on? Wild. It's wild. <laughs> So luckily, Beetle comes across him just in time and cuts him out, thinking, oh, it's my lucky day. I've got a frozen prince. Popsicle. <laughs> Princicle? <A> Princicle. <laughs> so Thumbelina is kind of useless. She hides in her shoe and bemoans that she'll never find her way home. It's just impossible. I'm assuming you mean a discarded shoe that someone threw on the road. Yeah, it's like a little work boot. Yeah. There was a Thumbelina who lived in a shoe. She had so many suitors, she didn't know what to do. It gets worse. Oh, Thumbelina. No. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> how's it get worse? I can't tell you. You're going to find out. We're so close to the end, Sam. Really? Already? Like, this We've is got like bonkers. A, I'm going to say a quarter left, maybe. Okay. It moves fast. It moves fast. I am I am riveted. This is going to end. <laughs> Thumbelina awakens in a toasty, warm underground house with Miss Fieldmouse. How does she keep getting kidnapped? I don't know. She gets picked up, apparently unconscious, and she gets taken to Miss Fieldmouse's house, which is played by Carol Channing. What? <laughs> Carol, Ch- this movie. I gotta watch this movie. Wow, you're convincing me, Danielle. She laughs at her for trying to survive the winter in a shoe. What a silly girl she is. And she knows everything about her life, because I guess gossip spreads real fast in the forest. Question. Mm-hmm. Do we ever, like, cut back to the mother? and Or she's just like, yeah, the Thumbelina's gone. Not my problem anymore. We have one, I think it's one scene, and I t- left it out. It wasn't really that important, where we cut back to the mom, and she's like, oh, poor Thumbelina. It's getting winter outside, and I don't know where she is. And she's done nothing. To, like, at least the, the dad and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids built this contraption to suspend himself with magnifying glasses over the grass so you could search for his children. Yeah, I don't know how she would find somebody in 1700s. Paris, <laughs> like tiny little thing. You know, I don't know, Danielle. She needs to contact Rick Moranis. <laughs> On it. Whole other movie. Really good movie. <laughs> really good movie. Love Rick Moranis. He would crush it in, in Thumbelina. <laughs> so she also tells her, t- Miss Fieldmouse also tells Thumbelina that it's such a shame that Cornelius was found stone cold, frozen dead in the lake. <laughs> Thumbelina's like, wait, what? <laughs> 
I mean, uh, maybe be gentle about that. Well, Ms. apparently she thought she knew because, like, everybody knows. Everyone has that psychic gossip link. Yeah, so understandably, Thumbelina's super upset by this very disturbingly good news. And then for reasons, the beetle has somehow found her and is listening into the chimney that's, like, poking out of the ground. Don't ask me how he found her. She's underground. <laughs> also, why is he doing that instead of, I don't know, delivering the prince to Grundle? I don't know. I forgot his name because I hated it. Well, we're getting there. So Miss Field Mouse takes uh, takes her to go see Mr. Mole because she was baking for him. And she tells tells her she must sing for him because he loves sweet things and corn cakes. And she's made some corn cakes and they're going to take him over. Sure. Okay. Miss, Mr. Mole is very fancy rich. He kind of lives in like an underground castle. And there's a sign outside on top of the castle that says, what's mine is mine. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's he's, cute. He's played by John Hurt. The list just keeps growing. Jeez. <laughs> He's blind, of course, and his castle's filled with all sorts of gems and golds and artifacts and all kinds of weird stuff in the background. It's all huge, you know, because moles yeah. aren't that big. And they make her tell them a story and song, and then she sings about how there was once a sun and then winter killed everything. <laughs> it's very dramatic. Once, like, a sun, like, in the sky or, like, a yep. child? No, a sun, okay. in the, uh, a sun in the sky. What's, what's so she's saying winter killed the sun. She's like, and winter killed everything. <laughs> does, she, does she mean the sun was killed too? Yeah, because it's a metaphor, Sam. The sun was her love for Cornelius, blah, blah, uh, blah. But now Cornelius is dead because winter sucks. <laughs> now is the winter of our discontent, et cetera, exactly. et cetera, sure. Mr. Mole is like, for telling me such a beautiful story, I'm going to show you this dead bird that I stumbled upon during my walk this morning. And it's and Giacomo. Giacomo. <laughs> yeah, of course. Mr. Mole is glad he's dead. He doesn't like swallows, I guess. But Thumbelina is distraught. She rushes over to check on him. And while she's away, Mr. Mole suggests to Miss Fieldmouse that he'd like to marry Thumbelina because she has such a what pretty is- voice and she's so pretty. Mm. Probably. He doesn't know. He's blind. Oh, this movie. Everyone is such a creep. <laughs> he wants her to persuade Thumbelina and he'll pay her. And she's all on board for some money. He gives her like a big gold piece. These, like, when you gave me the description, like this whole city of animals willing to help her, that was a blatant lie. <laughs> it's a whole city of animals willing to, like, use her to their own ends. I know. It's actually a scary world. Like, yeah. thank God she doesn't live in it because she would not even, survive. Even the kindly Miss Fieldmouse is like, oh, yeah, I'll trade her for some gems. Sure. Yeah. I actually think – I always thought even when I watched this when I was younger, I wasn't, like, super little. Maybe my early teens even because it came out a little bit later. But the first time I watched this, I was like, she's creepy. Like, I don't yeah. like her. <laughs> yeah. Like, I she is never no Mrs. Found Frisbee her. from Nim. Yeah. I never found her as, like, an endearing character, even though it's Carol Channing. You'd think she'd be a little less creepy, but she's not. Wow. How do they make Carol Channing into a creeper? <laughs> don't know. Impressive stuff, Don Bluth. Well played. <laughs> Sumbelina gets called away after hitting Giacomo's heart. She's like, oh, I hear it. He's alive. And she just leaves him there. She's like, I'll be back later this evening. <laughs> Like, okay. I'm going to leave this mostly dead bird here with no medical attention, sure. <laughs> so back above ground, Beetle delivers the prince to Grundle and tells him Thumbelina is with the mole. And they leave the frozen prince behind while they go off to find Thumbelina. And the jitterbugs who are following go down to help the prince. That's very convenient. Also, like, what happened to the whole plan about using the prince's bait? I guess that's irrelevant now well, that you know where she found, is, but yeah, she didn't know she did in the first place. <laughs> Everybody just stumbles upon each other in this. Apparently the forest is very tiny. I was going to say, like, all you need is since the beetle could just find anything it wants to at whim, you should have said, just find a Thumbelina. 
Yeah, crazy. Anyway, meanwhile, Mrs. Field Mouse <laughs> is trying to convince Thumbelina to get the mole, who's quite the catch down there, that marrying for love is overrated, and she sings, Deary, marry the mole. <laughs> Deary, marry the mole. <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I got a little music out of you today. So that night, she somehow gets back through Mole's house to visit Giacomo. She brings him a blanket and tells him what uh, tells him he was wrong, that there's no place for little people and they can't do impossible things and everything's just miserable. And she thinks she'll just marry the Mole since he'll take care of her and she's not going to get home anyway. And that immediately brings Giacomo back to life because he's a hopeless romantic and he's like, why wouldn't you marry the prince? <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is... I'm not sure what the message of this movie is, Danielle, but I'm not sure I approve. <laughs> and he finally, finally offers to fly her where she needs to go. Oh, now he can do it. He can do it the whole time. He's not like, oh, I have, I have a bum wing. I could never have flown you. Right. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I'm not going to go because she's trying to tell him that Cornelius is dead, though she could just fly her home. So he's trying to tell him that Cornelius is dead, but he's kind of like slightly out of it, I think, from coming out of his coma. And he like flies off to find, to like, find the veil of the fairies or whatever as after she How refuses to help? go. Well, because he thinks that he's if they can find the veil of the fairies, they'll find Cornelius. I don't know Cornelius is looking for her. Sure, sure. But then, like, why didn't he take her with him? Because she was like, no, 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 I'm not going to go. And it was she was going to say, because Cornelius is dead, so there's no point, apparently, in even looking for my house anymore. I should have slipped out here with the mole. <laughs> She's given up I, hope, Sam. She's given up hope. He's like, no, I'm going to go and find it. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to pretend like that all makes sense. Let's move on. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the movie either, but I'm pretty sure that's the gist of what's supposed to be going on. Perfect. Love it. So back with the jitterbugs, they've started a fire and are melting the prince. But will it be too late? Because yes. back in the mole house... He's already suffocated at the very least. <laughs> no, back at the mole, whatever. She's at the altar walking up the aisle. It's a really fast wedding. Wow. <laughs> Everyone just has a, like, officiate ready to go to marry them on a, on a job of a hat. And there's guests and stuff. It's crazy. As she's walking, she looks down at her ring that the prince gave her that's still on her finger. And she hears his voice singing their Aladdin song. And she has flashback as, flashbacks as the ceremony proceeds. So they ask her, as she gets up there, if she'll take Mr. Mole to be her husband. And she's suddenly like, never! I don't love him! Is like the graduate. <laughs> Just as everybody's chastising her, Grundle drops down through the ceiling is like, I'm here to marry you. <laughs> I really hope he and the mole get married to each other. Like, you love Thumbelina? I love Thumbelina. We have so much in common. Exactly that. And she finally seems to grow a backbone. She stomps on his feet. She kicks the beetle who's down there. And she tells them all to leave her alone. And she runs off. And everyone's rushing after her, wanting things from her. Because that's all this movie is, is people wanting to use Thumbelina. That is insane. Because, like... She's not very useful. No, she's just kind of a pretty tiny human. <laughs> yeah, human. I mean, she's useful, I guess, as an object, which is a terrible lesson. <laughs> but, like, she's not, like, I, I, I'm surprised that so many of these creatures have either the same desire from her or have different needs she can fulfill. Yeah, and like there's a, several nice characters. The fishes are nice. You see them briefly. The jitterbugs, the jitterbugs are totally, yeah. totally fine with her. Like there's definitely a mix of characters. To but be a fair, lot of children. people. Yeah, but a lot of the characters she meets are like terrible. Yeah, I thought it would make a fun like animal friends movie. It's not. It's not. That's why it's so much fun. Sam it goes in a completely weird direction. It really threw me off when I. That's the reason I've never watched the Bellina again, Sam. It's because it feels weird. 
You, you know what, Danny? You, you got me. Wait, well done. This is a twist I did not see coming. <laughs> so thankfully, Cornelius is free and has followed the toad down uh, into the mole's house, and he fights off the bad guys as she runs ahead, but she doesn't see him. He like he pops in after she's already turned and has run off. Does he just murder the whole town of animals like, none of you will stay between me and my love? Kind of. She runs to the end of the tunnel because she sees a spot of sunlight. She's excited that the sun's out again, and she's trying to, like, crawl up there. And Cornelius tries, Cornelius tries to call after her, but Grundle attacks, and they fight until they fall over the edge. And they both plummet, I don't know, to the darkness below. And okay, first off, <laughs> Grundle attacks, great name for a movie, or a band. Sure. <laughs> So she finally makes it up through the piles of money and stuff to where the sunlight is. And it is the outside, Sam. I also thought it might be a fake, but it was not. We're almost done with so the movie. So winter's over. We're back to summer? No, it's winter outside. There's snow on the ground and everything, but it's sunny. Okay. So Giacomo appears above her, excited to share the news that he's finally found the veil of the fairies. And he picks her up and flies off singing to find the fairy prince. And she still has not told him that he's dead. Or that... Maybe back in the mole house. <laughs> yes, but she didn't see him back there, so she doesn't right. even know he's there. This is like one of those Romeo and Juliet style misunderstandings. <laughs> yeah, it would be if this movie were 20 minutes longer. So they make- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's not, though. It's almost done. They make it back to the Vale of the Fairies, which is covered in snow and looks like nothing. It looks like just a chunk of the forest. And she doesn't Great. believe he's actually taken her to the right place. But he tells her to sing because, I don't know, her voice is magic. <laughs> this movie is bonkers. <laughs> So she sings her uh, like a reprise of her Aladdin song, and somehow spring starts forming. The flowers start cr- like crawling through the snow. So we're out of winter, or it's been like four days, and we've had. She's ruining winter, is what she's doing. <laughs> she's screwing up an entire ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to work out for like the universe, <laughs> right? Like the world is. Sc- we need the seasons happen in the regions they happen in. The life is adapted to those. This is crazy. <laughs> it doesn't matter, though, because they had, like, two days of fall and three days of winter. So That's what I'm whatever. saying. Like, if the seasons start going, like, oh, we're going to have a two, we're going to have a one-week summer and then back to the winter again. Like, it's like a, a, a one-month year, essentially. Yes. But it's, it's, this is terrible. However, so she doesn't seem to really, I don't know if she notices the flowers or, like, what's happening. I don't think she seems to notice it. Um, even though it's, like, happening all over, you see, like, the camera pan. But she's, like, suddenly stops singing and she's like, Tells Giacomo, she's like, we have to be practical. This isn't the Vale of the Fairies, and Cornelius is never coming back. She's never told him that he's dead, so this would be a very confusing And then he appears. But yeah, Cornelius appears, and he sings a duet with her, and they run together, and they kiss, and she sprouts wings. What? (laughs) I don't know, Sam, she becomes a fairy. (laughs) Did he steal the wings that... Grundle stole from no, the beetle just, like, and like graft them onto her. Like completely different wings, and then the entire veil is covered in flowers. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it's supposed to jump ahead to spring or if winter's suddenly done. But he asks her to marry him, and then the final scene is they have this technicolor wedding with like a waterfall made of rainbows, and everyone in the forest comes and they fly off on Buzz. What about her mother? She's there too. They go back to the house. They oh, have the wedding. Okay, I want to like make sure she was like, oh, forget about her. You're a fairy <laughs> Sorry, now. You can never they see her. They go back human. to the house. We don't see that part, but she gets married at the house. So I'm assuming at some point she went back to her mother, and they kiss as they fly off on Busby into the moonlight. The end. Absolutely insane. <laughs> insane. <laughs> Such a good movie. <laughs> 
I just like nothing happened in that movie. I mean, like a lot happened, but like none of it mattered. <laughs> you just had a poor girl be like sexually assaulted for forty minutes until like the first guy to assault her marries her. He didn't assault her. He was nothing but a gentleman. Okay, I didn't mean to impugn his honor. My apologies. <laughs> I mean, you only see him for like five minutes of the movie, so I, maybe he's terrible. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's only known for like ten minutes anyway, so like, that's maybe absolutely he, true. He could be a horrible like alcoholic abuser. We don't know. He's not. He's sixteen. He could be a misogynist. Yeah, he could be. I don't know what the fairy rules are. Right. I mean, also he's sixteen. His parents seem nice. He's probably fine. I'm just so concerned with Umbelina. She's had no agency in this entire movie. Oh, man. The only agency she has is right towards the end where she suddenly grows a backbone and is like, I'm not marrying any of you. And then she <laughs> leaves. <laughs> You're like, you go with Umbelina because it's the only time at any point that she's like has a voice of her own, which I think is sort of the point, but you know. No, because like I understand that's the message it's trying to impart, but my big takeaway from this movie is everyone in the world is terrible. Yeah. They're really bad. They're so yeah. – they use her so much. No, There's no redeemed – I mean, besides, like we mentioned, the jitterbugs or Giacomo. I don't know if Giacomo. I'd call him like – what? Jack. I forgot about Giacomo when I was talking about Yeah, I, but I don't characters. know if I really call him redeeming because he like – he doesn't really help until the end, even though he could have helped way better way earlier. Yeah, but it was never like – in the movie, it's like they completely ignore the fact that he could just fly up with her. Yeah. It's, they act like he doesn't have wings. Or something. It's, I, you know what? My speculation is he likes the drama. <laughs> he might. He might be a drama seeker. Drama yeah, he's like, I'm not going to fire out of here because I want to see how this plays out. So he's just as conniving as the rest of them. Maybe it's a real possibility. But she lives happily ever after. We assume. I mean, I don't mm. know how long they waited to get married. Uh, clearly, the one day of spring. <laughs> it kind of makes it sound feel like it's a little bit in the future. That's a that's a crazy movie, Danielle. I, oh, I, mean, I know. Like, I expected, you know, Don Bluth weirdness, but, like, that is wild. Like, I don't know the original Thumbelina story, you know? Don't get too upset, Danielle, <laughs> and not, come at me for that. I'm not, not. I was just surprised but, that you didn't know more about Thumbelina is all. Yeah, and now I'm intrigued to seek it out, because if the original story is that crazy, or as they often are crazier, I am on board. <laughs> Dang. I mean, I just have nothing more to say. It's just like, Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Was the music good? Were the, I mean, oh, Barry yeah. Metal, of course, the music. What was I going to say? What was yeah, saying? the songs are pretty solid. I will, like I said, share with you later a clip from the movie with Charo. Charo. Right, Charo. I forgot she was in it already because <laughs> she's absent from the second half of the movie. And she's the most Charo version of Charo. It's just like, and it's like maybe uh, slightly offensive now with these standards, but this classic 1994, you're like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad you shared that with me, Danielle. And thank you for getting to animation and doing what I usually do for reasons. You're welcome. You're welcome. Glad we could find something you hadn't seen. Especially a Don Bluth else, movie you hadn't seen. That's yeah. It. That's I mean, talent. I haven't seen all of Don Bluth. I, I have my blind spots. I'll admit it. But yeah, there you go. If anyone out there wants to explain the real motivations of Giacomo. <laughs> the true villain of the beast. <laughs> or, or wants to justify that walnut bed, which precipitated these entire events. <laughs> right? I so hope she got the bed in the future. She wouldn't have been snatched away. I just put that out there. Just, just laying that out there. It's the mom's Please. fault. Please. 
let me know because I really want to understand this. Like, or if you know the fairy lore, tell me the fairy lore. Forget all that stuff. Tell me the fairy lore. That's what I care about. I don't care about any of these characters. Tell me the fairy lore. On it. You can do that <laughs> by emailing us at bookretorts.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at bookretorts. Switching it up today. Good job, yeah. I'm proud of you. I had to remember which ones were on because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we on that platform? Yeah, probably. However, if you want to donate to us to help us support a shelter for wayward Thumbelinas to <laughs> escape their abusers, you can do so at patreon.com slash book retorts. Book retorts. Patreon. Thumbelina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm sorry. My brain just hurts from this movie. <laughs> well, until next time, don't marry the mole, I guess. Deary, marry the mole. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> bye. Bye, take care, everybody. What is that movie? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to send you the link, though, because you should watch All right, let me, let me look at the charroiest charro. Oh, the animation. She is... Ooh, those are definitely implants. <laughs> oh, only... She's wearing giant heels? So good. What is going also, on? Also, only one of the frogs has a mustache, which is creepier. Also, Thumbelina's face looks like she's 40. <laughs> oh, there go the hips. <laughs> <laughs>